Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, episode 125. Today, this is Matt Walters here with Lee. A big week for the market that could shape what things look like the rest of the year. We'll start with the Federal Reserve, which is expected to hike rates again on Wednesday. They've raised rates five times so far this year. The last three have been 75 basis points. It's assumed they'll do the same on Wednesday. So how long do we think these rates hikes will stay the same before they start to decrease? The other big event this week, the October jobs report, which will come out Friday morning. You'll remember the September jobs report was slightly worse than expected. While the numbers weren't necessarily bad, the fact that they came in lower than expected resulted in the S&P taking a dive of nearly 3% along with the other major indexes. So Lee, always good to be here. Got some big topics today. We got rate hikes. We've got um, job reports. We're going to talk about midterms. Might even throw a little Elon Musk there in the end. So you doing good? Ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Let's talk. So, so Lee, I just got through talking about the the Fed meeting this week, expecting another rate hike. What are your thoughts? What are you expecting? And what do you think the impact will be? You know, I think that, you know, I think there's a 100% chance that um, the the Fed's going to raise hike uh, raise rates by 75 basis points or three quarter of a percent. Um, I, I think there's no doubt on, on Wall Street that that's going to take place. I think the big question is, you know, what is the language going to be in the in the report afterwards? What are Chairman Powell's comments going to be in his press conference afterwards? And everybody's focused on December and what he's going to do uh, or what the Fed's going to do in, in early 23. Um, I think we are beginning to see the effects of rate hikes. I think the majority um, of the impact will be in the spring, summer of, of 2023. But I think we are beginning to see, um, you know, growth growth stocks have taken a hit, namely tech in the last couple of weeks. Um, housing, um, housing sales have cratered. Right. Um, and so all of these effects are, are what the Fed wanted. You know, they want to slow this economy down. Um, the question is, is it slowing down quick enough to, to get them to slow down? My personal opinion is I think we come in somewhere 50 basis points or lower in December. Um, the question is going to be how much does Chairman Powell tip that off in his comments? If, yeah. if, he, if he comes out sounding sort of dovish, then I think the, 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 the stock market will probably rally um, on those comments. If he remains pretty hawkish, um, then I think you could see it sell off a little bit. Um, you know, the question is just how much more selling, you know, wholesale selling is is left in the market. Um, and some people don't, don't doesn't think that there's a lot left. Yeah. Well, we were talking about this morning how kind of, you know, the recession in the stock market 
that needed to happen has happened. Like, right, there's been a multiples recession. I mean, multiples are way down. And so you would kind of hope, and I know they're not just looking at the stock market, but they've also admitted, I think, that that's a piece of it, right? Um, you would kind of hope that they would let some of this just kind of work itself out and not get out, out in front of themselves acting like, you know, they – because what they've done up to this point, I think, has been needed. I think where they go from here is going to either show overconfidence or maybe a little bit of more humility, which might be needed um, from the public when you, looking at the Fed. You know, and the, and the thing that they have stressed is if they're going to make a mistake, they would make rather make a mistake going too far yeah. than not enough. And, you know, and a comment came out by one of the Fed governors in the last couple of weeks that basically said – the Fed throwing the economy into a slight recession is not the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know. No, they don't look at the stock market, but they but are. Yes, they look at the stock market. But yes, they look at the stock market. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's one indicator. And um, and that's why I think that, you know, they are now towing a very tight rope. They're, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they don't have a lot of room for error either side. Um so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went and saw a first trust a couple weeks ago in Tulsa. Yeah. You know, they were talking about um, Brian Westbury was talking about, you know, how his opinion was it wasn't even a rate issue. Right. It was a money supply issue. And so it'll just be interest. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, now that we're going to be into it a full year of them increasing rates, like where do they go from here and what? What starts to happen now that some of these things have had a while to start taking effect and having an impact? You know, and you're beginning to see more and more um, Wall Street economists come out and say, okay, we may have seen enough. You know, maybe it's time to pause for two or three months to see the effects of, you right. know, the, the five rate hikes. But but more importantly than the five, it's the, the, the large size of each of those. The last three have been 75 basis points. So... You know, I think there's a there's a growing feeling of let's pause, let's see the effects going into early 2023, and you know, and they can always come back and say, okay, you know what, we need to do it another 50 bips some sometime right. here in the future. But um, it, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they come down on it. Yeah. So making a pivot from that, a big event coming up here in about a week with election day quickly approaching. We've got the midterm elections. I know we have a lot of clients asking about it. We spend a lot of time thinking about it um, and talking about it. So um, according to a new poll from ABC, about half of registered voters list either the economy or inflation as the top issue facing Americans right now. By the way, another recent survey found 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Small business owners also want their voices heard, with 49% saying they expect business conditions to get worse in the next three months. Here's the national director for a small business group speaking with CNBC. What small businesses want now are, you know, a forward-looking agenda that will give them, you know, a, a real policy infrastructure in Washington that's going to answer to them and the businesses of today versus the businesses of 22 years ago. According to CNBC, 86% of small business owners plan to vote, but only 12% feel candidates are putting their needs ahead of bigger corporations. So a lot of emphasis by voters on the economy, but what kind of impact can Congress actually have on the economy? Lee, this is a big election. I feel like we say that every time. We've definitely said it over the last three, four, five, six elections. Um, Every election is important, but this one seems to have a little bit extra 
sauce that goes along with it with everything going on. What are your thoughts and what do you think, you know, I think what listeners and clients have wanted to know is what do we think the market is going to do based on how the election goes? Well, you know, I've always, I've, I've always said, and I, I tell my clients that the market's like gridlock. Um, I mean, believe it or not, they, the stock market likes when not a whole lot gets done in Washington, you know, cause the markets don't like change. Um, I think that, you know, regardless of what party affiliation you are on, you know, I think obviously the Republicans have some momentum coming into the midterms. Um, a lot of the the economic woes, if you will, that are that are in the um, that are in the U.S. right now, are not necessarily the fault of the current administration. But that you can say that every four years. Right. Um, so it'll be inter- it's interesting to see. I think that. Um, if there's gridlock or if the Republicans gain control of um, the House and the Senate, I think you won't see any radical tax changes. Um, of course, businesses like that, individuals like that, um, if things kind of stay the way they are, um, that's gridlock. And so the White House can propose any sorts of leg- legislation and they're not going to get very far in the current makeup. So um, I think I, I don't think the stock market is playing a whole paying a whole lot of attention to the actual elections. I think that's something that we are as, you know, U.S. citizens. But I think the stock market views it as there's not going to be a lot of change either way. Right. Yeah. No, I think I think absolutely. I've I've been communicating to the market likes um, when there's a balance of powers. I mean, it's how we're it's it's how we're set up. It's how things are supposed to be. And so it's a good thing. I think the one thing that could be a negative impact on the market is I think the market has priced in conservatives doing well right and that's a price in that like that's the expectation i think if that didn't come to fruition the market might react um but you know if the market and i say all that say that's what everyone's kind of expecting right. so i'm not trying to make any statement there i just think those are the expectations and so i think if that's the way the election plays out i think the market will look at that and take a big deep breath and say okay that's one less thing we have to worry about now let's move on um, if it doesn't go that way, then the market, you might see um, just some uncertainty in the markets because that's not what everyone's been talking about and expecting. You know, to kind of wrap up this particular topic, the one thing I'm kind of hoping or I would like to see is if the Republicans take control of both houses, if you will, I, I hope that, you know, the White House will then look at this and say, OK, I'm not going to be able to get all of my agenda through. So let's figure out some things to work on together over the next two years, you know, and get some good things done that will, that would help all of America. You know, we saw this in Bill Clinton's last two years, the midterms went against him. And then a lot of some of the biggest legislation of Clinton's presidency happened in his final two years of office when he reached across the aisle to a Republican controlled Congress and they got some pretty good things accomplished. So we'll see what happens um, in, in a week and a half. And then again, over the course of the next two years. Yeah, but everybody be sure to get out and vote. Early voting is now open. So obviously with Election Day being November 8th, get out and vote. Um, You know, people have served. Our founder, CEO David Lee, has served. So um, exercise that right. Big believers in that. Um, Last point of today. So taking from a very serious conversation with elections (laughs) and exercising your right to vote. Now we're going to talk about Elon Musk. So... um, what changes are on the way for Twitterverse? Elon Musk has officially taken over Twitter. He's already fired the CEO and other top executives. 
which was expected regardless of who took over. Now he's focusing on how content might be moderated, and according to his biographer, Musk is looking at the possibility of adding a subscription feature to the social media platform, which could end up helping with content moderation. Take a listen. Since you'll have to be verified at least by Twitter as a real person, and if you put in your credit card information, they know who you are, that means that your veil of anonymity isn't absolute. If you start doing things that are libelous or bullying, uh, then you know people can kick you off the platform, know that you're a real person, that sort of thing. So I think once you get to user verification and a large amount of the users are paying some subscription fee, you have fewer trolls, obviously much fewer bots, uh, and uh, you also have a uh, content flow that's a little bit more uh, civil and reliable because people are generally verified. Musk himself has not spoken publicly about a paid version of Twitter, but he has announced he plans to form a content moderation council. He says he won't make any major content decisions or reinstate any banned accounts until after that council meets. Lee, Musk takes over Twitter. What are your thoughts? This has obviously been a hot issue for a while now, going back to when you know Trump was kicked off Twitter and they started regulating a bunch of people and content. And um, what are your thoughts? Is obviously a kind of a fine line between free speech and you know. Well, the, the first the first point I'll make is he's going to take it private, okay? And so we we had a call to the office today. A client was asking about Twitter and his account. What's going to happen? Well, when a when a company goes from being public to private then the shares kind of go away and you get paid for whatever the, the price of the yeah. purchase price was. So there will no longer be a Twitter position publicly traded on the stock exchanges uh, once that happens. Um, you know, Musk is a character. I, I think that Musk is about making money. Um, and so I think, you know, the decisions that he makes at Twitter are going to have to do with the bottom line. Um, and I think that if he can raise revenue through the platform, he's going to. He's already cutting a lot of the fat um, at at Twitter Corporation. I mean, he's firing a lot of people and laying a lot of people off. But um, coincidentally, we're seeing that in a lot of big tech companies right now. Sure. Their, their large payrolls are being exposed. And so as things slow down, they're beginning to, you know, cut a lot of excess employees out. Um, I think there will be changes. I don't think – I think he's smart to kind of go slow. Um but I think he's made it very clear, maybe in a very subtle fashion, that you know Twitter a year from now is probably going to be a lot different than it is today. He's very focused on having a very fair and open platform. Um, you know, some people like that, some people don't. But I think that I mean, he, changes are in store for Twitter as we know it. Yeah, and I think it's a it's it's a hard. I've thought about this a lot. Someone who doesn't have Twitter, Facebook, and <laughs> Instagram. I mean, I don't have any of it. I'm not on social media at all. But you know, as a company, as a private company, I mean, even if they're a publicly traded company, they're still a private company, right? They're owned by individuals. They're not like a government-controlled corporation or entity. You know, they. my opinion has always been they should be able to make the rules they want to make and run the business they want to run, the way they want to run it. Now, if that, you know, makes half the country mad, then that's that's a business decision they have to make. And so that's kind of always been my point on this free speech issue is, you know, it's I'm all for everyone being able to share their thoughts and feelings but if there's a platform who doesn't let you do that i don't know if you can get mad at the platform and i know that's kind of a 
that's kind of a hot take, even with a lot of people I know that, you know, well, they shouldn't, everyone should be allowed on Twitter. Everyone should be allowed to say whatever they want to say, even if they don't, everyone doesn't agree with it. But at the same time, there are people who run this business that can run it they, the way they want. And I think that's, that's a beauty of a free market. If there's another group of people that want to go start something, something somewhere else, they have every right to do that. The, the difference is going to be as, as a publicly traded company, you're accountable to shareholders. Right. And a board. He's not anymore. Um, and so he can kind of make the decisions how he wants to. And if you like it, great, be a part of it. If you don't, then go find something else. And so I, I think some of the, for lack of a better term, the political correctness, um, you know, Musk has never been accused of being a politically correct individual. Um, I think some of that he just doesn't care about. Right. And, and he doesn't have to anymore because he doesn't have to be accountable to shareholders or to a board. Um, so I think those are some of the things that are going to guide or direct his decision-making going forward on how he runs Twitter. And you saw a lot of left, like, left-leaning individuals that immediately posted, said, I'm out. Sure. See, see you, Twitter. I'm off. You know, and I, it's like, great. Like, if they're not ready and don't want to participate in what Musk has planned for Twitter, then I think that's great. And so I think I just encourage everyone to think of, you know, this is – um, everyone has their right, right? If you don't like something, go look for look for something that you like somewhere else. And so maybe that's Twitter, maybe it's not. I think I will enjoy personally keeping up with Twitter more now that Musk is in control. I think it'll be from pretty, the entertainment value. I think it'll be pretty entertaining. Um, but I'm still not going to go start an account. I'll have to kind of keep track of it from a distance. But definitely entertaining. It'll be interesting to look back a year from now to see where Twitter's at, um, and maybe how much Musk's net worth has gone up or down because of this Twitter acquisition. You know, as we, as we kind of wrap up this podcast, I think the, the most important question that I think all of our listeners want to know today is Matt, what are you going to be dressed up like on Halloween tonight? Yeah, no Halloween dress up. We did the church treat street this weekend and me and a couple buddies were dressed up as in our duck hunting outfit um, with a full duck blind set up and the whole, the whole, set up but this week this tonight will be simply chasing kids around the you know trying to keep them from running into the street so that sounds good yeah that sounds good so as always we want to end with a thought of the day with a little reference to halloween if your dreams don't scare you they're not big enough so appreciate everybody listening as always and we look forward to you joining us next time on the mach one market moment Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit Mach1Financial.com disclosure.